My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Day 13. Define progress. Journal entry. I'm going to give this one a bit of a go, but I will tell you that it is something of a tongue twister from TV Bullpen, The Lost Trails of the Low Felt. But those who bagged their game and made their camp snug and secure bedded down with a feeling of unparalleled contentment. And with reason. The bushveld nights were exotic and enchanting, with a juicy kudu steak filling an empty stomach and boiled beans and flapjacks, flapjacks packing up the odd chinks and crevices. The wanderer laid himself down with delight beneath the watching stars. Oh, this is where it gets really interesting. There, with his grimy shirt thrown open and a soothing evening breeze stealing slyly down his back with his pipe alight and tired muscles quite relaxed, the adventurer contentedly thought that the hard life was well worth it, if only to bring full appreciation to the calm joys of rest. The snakes are out in the post-rain heat. I see their tracks crossing the sandy roads. I love to notice little things like this. makes me feel very intimate with the land. It's like my area is a parchment laid out on a table in front of me. As I see tracks, I move the animals on the parchment. It's a strange image, I know. Surely the scale of the land here does not really allow for it, but the patterns of movement are stored in me that way, held in my mind on a smaller scale so I can zoom out and look down on it all. I'm becoming very good at pinpointing sounds. This is one of our evolutionary strengths, to quickly ascertain where a sound came from. The trick is to gauge the distance to the sound across a woodland. When I hear a leopard call or a lion roar, I imagine throwing a pebble out over the terrain and trying to land it on where that sound is coming from. Yesterday I heard guinea fowl alarming, and I set off through the thick bush on a crow flies line and found a wonderful scene of African hawk eagles trying to flush the fowl out of the thicket so they could feast on them. It's also a bit of a tongue twister, that one. Flush the fowl out of the thicket. In the midst of this all, a harrier hawk came in and there was a brief moment of eagle combat. I keep thinking about that idea of there being a difference between how something works and what it means. Surely we're so good at the first 
and we're somehow losing the second. When I was a boy, my father would tell me stories of a man by the name of Harry Kirkman. Harry was one of those hardy adventurers who made the empty wild lowlands his home back in the old hunting days. When Harry was the warden of the reserve, my father would go on patrols with him. Harry was so hard, he didn't believe in drinking water during the day, only at night when the patrol was over. That's quite a feat in these hot bushlands. On one occasion, Harry got mauled by a lion. All torn up, he called the doctor to ask, Doctor, have you got anything for lion bite? Once Harry and my father were mending a fence, it came to pass that they needed a screwdriver. My father said he would go miles to town to buy one. This enraged Harry. You bloody townies, he said, always rushing to buy something. Harry spent the next three days making a screwdriver. My father never forgot it. And I'll tell you something for sure. To Harry, there was a difference between what something did and what it meant. We would think it ludicrous to halt work to spend three days making a part. Some of you are probably annoyed just thinking about it. A voice inside of you is saying, hurry up, hurry up. But what satisfaction when you reached into your toolbox for that screwdriver. What a story you had with it and a feeling of value and self-reliance. One thing that I'm becoming aware of is this experience could turn me into something of a Luddite. One of the great leaders in wilderness awareness was a man by the name of Dr. Ian Player. He was a visionary who understood deeply what wilderness meant to the well-being of the people of the world. He was the founder of the Wilderness Leadership School at a time when people spoke very little of wilderness or of leadership for that matter. He had been instrumental in rhino conservation and was a true steward of wilderness. There is a story he used to tell. Someone once asked him, Dr. Player, why don't you get some lanterns for your camp? He believed in sleeping simply on the ground with only what you could carry. He said, well, if I get a lantern, it will need a barrel of paraffin. So I will need to buy a pickup truck to get the barrel. Then I will need a room to store it in. So I will need to get in some materials to build that room. That will mean some builders who will need a toilet and some water. So I'll buy a water tank. You get the idea. The point being that there are profound unintended consequences to a lantern. One of those consequences is also that instead of sitting under the stars, you're trying to light the lantern or refill it or do something with it. Pretty soon you need to get some folks to do that for you. So you end up with staff, then they need to be managed and, and, and. Before you know it, you have a camp. To look around, you might say, we've made great progress. But you never have any time to look at the sky anymore. When I was a safari guide, I used to have a joke about photography. I used to say, cameras, ruining amazing moments in nature since their invention. And that is true. But it's also true that a photograph can be a wonderful thing. But with cameras, suddenly there was this thing that needed attention between you and the experience. And you can kind of times that by everything 
exponentially and there you have modern life. What a complicated world. I get that it's really amazing too. I'm a fan of modern medicine and all the rest of that. Right now millions of rural third world people have the chance for a better life and education with the arrival of internet into their villages. While somewhere else in the world the makers of those systems and devices have banned their own kids from using them. And I certainly don't have the answers. All I know right now is that I need to personally redefine progress. That's what this experience is steeping me in. Once when I was driving along with Renius, we came to a waterhole. It was the middle of a warm winter's morning and a small, small herd of impala were just arriving at the water's edge. Seeing them, most common of antelope, I thought nothing of it. The road curled so that it skirted to the one edge of the waterhole. I barreled on past. The bucks scattered like they tend to do when cars go by. I thought nothing of it. Renius glanced at me sideways. I knew I had blundered in some ways. Those animals are thirsty, he said. They come to drink once a day. When you drive by like that with no feeling, you leave them thirsty for the whole day. He was speaking as a man who truly understood thirst. A man who lived inside of a mindfulness for the life around him that you never develop if you solve most of your problems with buying things. He was right and it stayed with me. I guess little pockets of themes are emerging as I do these recordings. I realize I'm not breaking any news, but where your attention goes, your life goes. And I'm asking myself, what actually creates satisfaction? How do I cultivate it daily? Not more, but more of what I actually want. The wind is coming up now too, and I suspect the weather is changing. I can tell you, more of what I actually don't want is rain. And come rain or shine, I'm a man of the elements. I know the rain is good for the land, but I definitely have a preference for being dry. This might strike you as a little bit strange, but have you ever had a memory of your future? My friend Martha Beck used to call it prememberering. Prememberering is an art form. It's not fantasy, yet it does come out of the imagination. It's imagining out of a deep knowing what your future life is meant to be. You can take out a notebook and remember your future on paper. I guess I'm interested in this because I'm interested in what the future of human life could be and how we start making it. I have to tell you that I'm not so excited about a fridge that cooks me dinner when it senses I'm close to home. The one thing that I do know because of how I move around the world is that we are poised for a great remembering in our own lives and as a collective. What Paul Hawkins calls the greatest unnamed social movement in history back to a mindful relationship with nature is certainly underway. If you have sat through this, then you are a part of it. For sure we will have to do this together. Start close in. I will too. Four zero out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter 
at Boyd Barty, visit Boyd's website at boydbarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.